Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're going to talk about generational trauma, what it is. There is a conflict about generational trauma that represents the conflict going on in psychology slash therapy right now. Hint, this conflict, they're not, that each side is not as different as they think. They, of course, represent two sides of the same coin because they, they make the same air just in two different ways. We'll talk about it. And then we're going to talk about the proper way to deal with, to talk about generational trauma. You know, there's a million ways you can talk about generational trauma, but only one right way to do it. There's only one therapeutic way, not even proper therapy. I wouldn't even call it that. It's, it's just simply therapy. Everything else, I don't know what it is. It's not therapy, though. So first, what is generational trauma? I mean, look, it's it's very simple. It's just the idea. You know, we just this is what psychology does, is we just come up with new words to talk about the same thing. I could pretty much substitute emotion for generational trauma in this uh, video, and it would still kind of make sense. But, you know, we just got to come up with new words, talk about the same thing, because we haven't gotten to the heart of the issue yet. So we got to keep talking around the issue. So we'll just keep coming up with, with new words that have lots of syllables. So generational trauma, it's just the idea that trauma from your parents or some traumatic event happened to your parents or one of your ancestors and it wasn't dealt with properly. So now you have to deal with the strain from that issue, which of course happens all the time. Do you have to deal with emotional issues that you didn't cause? That are not your fault, of course. <laughs> of course, that's that is the human condition. Uh, so your your grandfather was an alcoholic, and your dad, you know, grew up in a household then where he couldn't get much help, where maybe there's a lot of chaos, where his survival strategy was to shrink down and tune out and not have his own emotions, not even have bodily feelings, to go for hours without having to go to the bathroom because he just, you know, tuned out of the fact that he even needs to go to the bathroom. And so now he goes on to create a family and has you. Now you are growing up in a household the head of which is somebody who grew up in, al in an alcoholic household. So there's just going to be lower emotional bandwidth, lower levels of emotional bandwidth, uh, this, this feeling of repression, and it'll probably create a lot of stress and not a lot of open communication. And you may, in fact, need to turn to alcohol for some sort of relief, which is kind of my, uh, as an aside, that's my theory of why alcoholism skips a generation. I don't know if it's a genetic thing necessarily. It might be, but I think it's more. Your father's not going to be an alcoholic because he saw what alcohol did to his grandfather. So he thinks he's going to avoid that by not drinking. But he'll have a bunch of other issues. And then, you know, you weren't, oh, you, you know, you didn't have direct access to, to alcoholism. So you may be more likely, of course, to turn to alcohol to, to release for some kind of relief from the emotional strain, from the emotional suffocation that comes from growing up in a household with a dad who was just kind of tuned out. Right, so of course generational trauma happens. The question is how to deal with it. I would say there's four different ways to deal with it. Two of those represent the main conflict in... Um, in psychology today. So of course, you know, I have a two by two diagram here. Ooh, that was a straight line. Ooh, wow. I'm getting better at this whiteboard. Okay. Now what are uh, two ways that you can uh, 
internalize. Yeah, we'll say, what are two ways you can internalize emotion? Well, one way is you can repress it, deal with it, you know, yourself. You can repress it or you can express it or just simply feel, express it, feel the emotion. And over here, what are two ways that you can uh, externalize it? You cannot externalize it at all. You can blame, blame or indulge. You can blame or indulge the emotion or you can take responsibility for it. Now, the two sources of conflict are mainly from, well, down here, people who blame and indulge, but at least express and feel it. And I would call these like uh, the uh, <laughs> the whores. <laughs> these are the uh, generational trauma whores. These are the people who will feel the emotion, will say, yes, I have this issue because I come from indigenous stock and, you know, my ancestors fought the battle Little Bighorn and I carry that trauma around with me and which is good. I mean, you need to feel that, right? Like if you think, if you even think, even if it's just this subjective thought that you have, that you still carry around the trauma from Little Bighorn. Okay. That is very important for you to feel. But because there's no explication of what to do with that, there's no explication of generational trauma, i.e. emotion, then inevitably what happens is you just kind of dump that on other people. And even guys like Gabber Mate. So I would put Gabber Mate down here, at least when it comes to generational trauma. Now, he would never say, he would never say it's right to blame and indulge these feelings of, of, you know, things that happened to you before you were conscious or before you were born that, that, you know, that still affect you today. He would never say it's right to do it. But if there's no clear explication for how to properly manage this emotional stuff that you have, then you will inevitably just dump it on other people. And that's what he does. And of course... You know, I I was critical of Gabriel Monte. He he came out with a book last year about something like generational trauma. I don't know. Doesn't matter. And I got a lot of pushback saying, "Oh, you know, Gabriel Monte never says that you dump your emotions on other people and you blame your parents for your problems." Yeah, you know, everybody who I heard read that book and went through it, they were all people who had a lot of issues with their parents and they were trying to come up with even more justifications, even more rationalizations to continue to blame their parents. Now, Gabriel Monte may not say that, but you have to understand that if you don't explicate a clear process for expressing this emotional baggage, this generational trauma, you will inevitably blame other people and dump that on other people and be very needy and exhausting to be around. And you better be very ethnic you better be from some uh from some unheard of uh indigenous tribe to people to suffer your your complaining and that's what happens right look you can write a whole book about how it's important to have air conditioning but if you don't explain how to fix air conditioners, or even how air conditioners work. What even is the concept of an air conditioner in the first place? If you don't explain that, 
you're just going to have a lot of people complaining about how they don't have air conditioning. It's like there, there's nothing wrong. I'm sure there's nothing technically wrong in what Gabramonte says in that book or what a lot of people say when they talk about generational trauma. But you need to offer an out. Otherwise, there's no solution. Okay, so that's one side of this debate. The indulgers. The feelers, which is good. They feel the emotion and they express it, which is good, but they also indulge it because they can't do anything productive with, with, with it. We'll, we'll talk about what the, two product, the, the, the two productive things you can do with it. Okay, and then the other side, we have the, the crowd that intellectualizes generational trauma. I call these the, I'll call these the prudes. And, you know, it's interesting, I'm using these, you know, yeah, I'm using these names like whores and prudes, but I think you'll find that people who treat their sexuality in a certain way will fall under the category that you think they would fall under here with generational trauma. People who can, yes, feel their their sexuality and express it, but they do so indiscriminately tend to be whores, right? Now, of course, sexuality is good and you need to feel it and that's part of your life. And it's a great part of connecting with other people, but if you do it indiscriminately or if you think, oh, it's no big deal, then you are what society would call uh, a whore. And same, you know, same thing with prude. I think I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah, with generational trauma, at least, these are the people who will try to repress the fact that they have generational trauma. Of course you do. Everybody does to some degree. You try to repress it, yet you still take responsibility for it. And so what happens here is you just kind of, uh, <clears throat> rather than feel a relief from expressing your emotions, your generational trauma, which is what the whores and the gabermates of the world do here. You get your relief from, uh, I'll just say, this is me projecting, because this is a huge part of the relief I re receive in my life is self-righteousness. Okay, and this side, they do the right thing by trying to take responsibility. Okay, so wait, let, let me give you an example of this kind of person. I have a few quotations here from Twitter. This is a great one. Most people complaining about childhood trauma or generational trauma, you know, whatever. You use emotions. It doesn't matter. You, you know, a lot of synonyms for that. Goes back to what I was saying, right? We, we don't know what the issue is, so we keep talking around it, and there will be new words and with even more syllables in the next decade, just you wait <clears throat> until we figure out how to talk through it, which I'm going to talk about here later in this video. Okay, so most people complain about childhood trauma today need to read some Victorian literature to humble themselves. <laughs> Did you become orphaned at a tender age, abused by step-parents, then sent to do hard labor in the middle of London at age 10? No? Then pipe down. Any emotion that you feel, just repress it. I mean, this person who I found on Twitter, she's even telling you explicitly to just stop talking about it. You feel something, it's an illusion. Your feelings not is, is not real. Simply repress it. Now you see how we get people down here in the bottom left quadrant, the Gabramate, the whores, 
the people who indulge their emotions, who go to, go to their cafe gratitude camps, right? This is, you see where this comes from. It was because they have parents that say something like, you didn't have a hard life. Your emotions aren't real. You just need to shut up. Well, that creates a huge internal conflict in some people of a certain temperament. And of course, you're going to get concepts like generational trauma. By the way, that's not even that bad of a situation. Like getting abused by step parents and having to do hard labor at the age, age of 10. Like that's not great, of course, but I don't know. I've heard plenty of stories from people who are born in the 80s the 90s that I would gladly trade for that kind of life <laughs> so it, and it just goes to show you however much we can advance technologically it, it's the star tech this the star trek dilemma yes we can advance technologically but can we advance emotionally can we advance in wisdom I would say and a part of wisdom is IQ but the uh, I think an even bigger part of wisdom is can you screw your head on straight which means, can you manage your emotions in a healthy way? And some people do. Some people just get it intuitively. And I, they're, you know, <clears throat> they're like the Shaqs or the Michael Jordans of, of therapy. That's, that's not me. I got to go through and analyze this stuff to do it correctly. And hopefully even through my analysis, I can just give you a better perspective on how this works. Um, another quotation from somebody in, in the prudes who, who, represses their generational trauma and still still tries to take responsibility for their lives even though they're not accepting part of you know their emotions by the way i'll tell you that lady who said that i'll, I'll tell you really where she's coming from uh, well we'll get to it, it i'm i'm doing her uh i'm being very um uh generous <clears throat> to her by putting her in this top right block here that the somebody who's at least taking responsibility i don't think she's taking responsibility for anything here we'll get to it though somebody else who fits in this prude self-righteous self-righteousness camp is isn't it interesting how generational trauma never existed until 10 years ago i'm getting all this from twitter from accounts that are very popular and tweets that get a lot of retweets and likes uh, so i don't think this is just one person saying it. Oh, generational trauma. It didn't exist till about 10 years ago. Actually, it started in the 1980s. So thanks for looking that up. Um, but uh, even if it didn't exist until 10 years ago, what's, what's wrong with talking about it if it's real? Yeah, of course. Somebody who was born in the turn of the century in, in, uh, in London, <clears throat> or, or the 19th century in London, had to go, you know, do whatever forced labor... <clears throat> They have generational trauma too. They have their own trauma, but that doesn't mean that you don't. It's like saying, oh, it's not that bad. Your emotional issues aren't that bad, so just stop talking about it. By the way, yeah, you know what? Maybe it is a little frou-frou to talk about things like generational trauma, but that's a sign of progress. It's a sign of progress that we get to talk about generational trauma. It doesn't mean that the progress was bad. Can, I mean, can people hurt themselves with progress? Yes, it happens all the time. Plentiful food. And people will eat themselves to death because we now live in a, it's a, in a society, in a civilization that has plentiful food. Does that mean that plentiful food is wrong? 
No. The fact that we are able to eat ourselves to death is is proof that we live in a utopia. But, um, so it's not a bad thing, right? And it's the same thing with generational trauma. John Adams has that great quotation. I study war so my sons may study politics. My sons will study politics so that their sons will study art. Specialization is what he's talking about. And even I was making fun of, you know, coming up with new words to describe emotions like generational trauma. But maybe it's just we need this kind of specialization right now in order for society to wrap our minds about around what's going on in our unconscious. Yeah. Yeah, and people, you know, and especially on Twitter, and people get you know Twitter brain, internet brain about this, and think that they need to go out and and I don't know, I just see a lot of this like trad life. Uh, well, let's go live on a farm and homestead. You are talking about a society that is dirt poor. That if somebody gets sick, they might die. That's the society you're talking about. Specialization. Is wealth. I mean, you sound like a Marxist at that point, because Marxism, yeah, Marxist was against specialization, and you thought that any kind of specialization alienated you from your fellow man. Said by a guy who's never specialized in anything. I, I mean, you know, I, I make the decision to go to grad school to become a therapist, and the more, which is a specialization, and the more specialized, the more refined that becomes in my mind, the more connected I feel with everybody. Uh, it's just amazing how this works. I, you know, it's just, it seems like specialization would, would disconnect you from other people when, if, if you really go through the process or it's called finding a niche on Twitter, I don't know. If you go to the, through the process of doing this, I mean, I mean, it's just like a, a profound spirituality connection that you feel with other people as you, you know, whittle down what you do to something very special, unique, and, uh, that pretty much nobody else on the planet can do. And yeah, I mean, the stuff that I'm talking about with you today, I mean, you're not going to be able to Google this stuff. I mean, hopefully in 10 years you'll be able to, but okay. Uh, and the other th point I want to make about this, um, about this conflict is the people over here, the prudes will say that the whores and the Gebramates are needy, right? And you can even see it in this lady's tweet Oh, you were never abused, you know, by your step parents. You didn't do hard labor in the middle of London at age 10. Just pipe down. Like it's, it's a needy, it's an imposition on the prudes, on the self-righteous people that the whores and the gabramates of the world exist. Oh, what an imposition. Oh, just shut up. Oh, everybody has their issue. Just shut up and don't talk about it. In effect, what they're saying is, oh, you're needy. Well, you know, the neediest, the neediest people in the world is when you're not taking responsibility, when you're repressing your emotions and you're not taking responsibility, because inevitably what happens is you dump that on other people. You become very, um, imperious. I think, I mean, she's being very imperious here and it is just as needy. I come from the Midwest where this kind of prude, self-righteous attitude towards your emotions that's not the norm, but it's, it's, there's definitely a lot more of this than here in California. I mean, you know, the, the stereotypes are true. I have seen more people cut off from friends and family 
not because of some violent alcoholism. I mean, that's accepted. If you have a violent alcoholism issue, like we'll accept you, you know, we might try to keep our distance, but we'll accept you. But when you do like the prude self-righteousness thing and get in everybody's business inadvertently, and I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why the prudes do it. That is needy. That is incredibly needy and you don't even know it. And I think a large part of our so-called cultural divide isn't political. It's not cultural. Well, it may be under the heading of culture. It's more, yeah, like we're not going to cut you off because of your political issues or because we disagree politically, but you don't shut up about it. And I don't know how to talk to you. And it's just exhausting for, for me to be around you. You think I'm cutting you off because you like Trump or voted for this other person? No. <laughs> that has nothing to do. You, know, you think it's political. You're just an asshole. And I think that goes on a lot. Like these people up here are way, I mean, you know, when it comes to, to who I'd rather spend my evening with or who I'd rather go out with to, uh, to the opera. Yeah, right. Like I'd never go to an opera. Ballet. I'll go to a ballet. Ballet, I think, is <clears throat> more legitimate. Anyway, I would much rather. I mean, I don't know if I'd rather go with the whores or the prudes. I, it would suck either way. Yeah. It would suck either way. And I think that informs a lot of especially conservative media. I don't know. I know I'm just getting into it. So, what are these other two? These other two are. Um, well, you know, the people who blame and indulge but still repress their emotions, that doesn't really make sense, right? Because if you're repressing emotion, there's nothing to blame or indulge, but it still invariably happens. There are people down here like this. You know where these people, we'll just call them a mess. You know where these people come from? They come from the prudes. The prudes, you can't do this for too long. You can't deny that you have emotions and still try to take responsibility for your life for too long. It just becomes too unbearable. And you end up going on Twitter and criticizing people who take generational trauma seriously. So the prudes inevitably, you know, they, they just kind of go down here. And they they are not fun to be around. And it's these people here. And I think this is what uh, the lady who is uh, criticizing people for you know, taking generational trauma seriously or the other guy who said, Oh, it's, it's interesting. how generational trauma didn't exist until 10 years ago. My supposition is that unconsciously these people are the whores and the gabramates and they are so pissed. They're like, you get to, you get away with complaining about your generational trauma. I don't get to do it. I don't get to do it. So my compensation for that is would just be to dump on you on Twitter. Yeah, these people who are, you try this, right? You try to be a prude about it because you don't know any better. You think you can just take responsibility for your life while denying the fact that you do have emotions that affect you outside of your awareness, emotions, perhaps trauma, generational trauma. That is not your fault, but it still affects you. That is exhausting. You can only pretend to take responsibility for so long and you turn into a mess. You turn into a mess here and then you end up dumping on these guys, which is incredibly needy. I mean, and the right way to deal with this is, of course, here. I'll just call this therapy 
Uh, by the way, in, in therapy up here, this is CBT. And down here, it's, I'll, I'll just say CRT informed. And you can see how these two just kind of feed off each other. I say more about this in, in my uh, videos, Unconscious of a Conservative, and how CRT contributes, or how CBT contributes to CRT. I, I, I say that um, CRT at least in part as a reaction formation to the repression, to the inevitable repression in CBT. And I know I've been through the CBT textbook, the Beck one, of course, like everybody else. I've read through it multiple times. Well, not the whole thing, multiple times. He never talks about repression, Mark. So he doesn't say to repress. You're putting words in his mouth. Yeah, I am putting words in his mouth. But again, it's the air conditioner analogy. If you write a book about how to fix, about how important air conditioning is and how you need a well-functioning air conditioner. And you just talk about the different parts and you say nothing about how they work together or no like conceptual framework for what an air conditioner even is. That's going to lead to repression. It is. Um, okay. So therapy, let me, um, Let's get to how to deal with generational trauma. You guys got this? Let me just erase. Uh, do 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 be do be do. Yeah, unconscious of a conservative. I thought that was a good presentation. Um, kind of boring. I don't think it got a lot of uh, views, but the content in there is pretty good if you ask me okay so what is therapy there's two parts of therapy given what was in that last two by two diagram right so the first part of therapy is feel you need to feel your emotions there is no greater uh, characterization or representation of resentment for instance when a guy says yeah, you know, I didn't have the, the best dad ever, but I understand where he comes from and he had a worse life than I had and I don't fault him for anything. And, uh, yeah, I understand my dad had his own issues, but I don't get angry. You know what that means? That means murderous rage. That is a guy who's going to have a lot of issues. Yes. I'm glad you can be logical about your, your, your dad and, and his issues that he had and, and how he was not the best father. I'm glad you can see it from a logical perspective. At the same time, you're not going to work through it until you actually feel the emotion until you feel it. And I think you will work, you will work really hard and maybe even do a lot of stupid things in order to not feel that feeling. Hear me now, believe me later. And this is what the, the uh, GT, the generational trauma, the whores, the Gavramantes, this is what they understand. They understand and they get this. You're not going to simply get over it, right? Yeah, you need to process. And, you know, simply feigning the correct response. You, you know, similar, like the guy who's minimizing, you know, his, what his dad did to him. It's like... Oh, in this situation, I, I, you know, I, I got angry here, but I really just need to laugh it off. Yeah. Eventually I want to get you to the place where you laugh it off, but you're not just going to train yourself to do that. You need to, you're not going to think your way to that, right? You're going to need to feel 
your way through whatever resentment that's there. And it, sometimes it feels like murderous rage, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. I mean, if, if like you need, yeah, I, I don't want to get into it. Okay, so the first thing you need to do is feel. The second thing you need to do is, of course, take responsibility. Not for the situation, right? If your ancestors were massacred at Little Bighorn, obviously you're not taking responsibility for that. But what about the emotion? What about the emotion that you have? You're not at fault. You're not at fault for the massacre at Little Bighorn. But it is your responsibility. If you get rear-ended in a car. Rear-ended. If you get rear-ended in a car. Sorry. I'm in seventh grade. And you get whiplash. And another guy drives away and you can't find him. Is that your fault? No. Is that your responsibility? Well, it's no fun to say, but it's not his responsibility. Even if he, you know, even if he came to your house and, and apologized later and, you know, he got his insurance, his insurance paid for the medical treatment. It's still, you need to want to be the one to go in, into rehab and fix your neck. It's no fun. It's just the way it is. And we all go through this dealing with just like this emotional weight that was here before we were born. And it's going to be here after we're born too. Yeah, right. You're going to deal with all of it and not give your kids any. Of course you will. But it's how can you deal with that content in the present? So how do we talk through emotions? Well, first, what even is an emotion. Eh, I guess just writing out feeling responsibility was superfluous. But what even is an emotion? It's incredibly important that we start there. If we're talking, if we want air conditioning, we got to ask, what even is an air conditioner? How does it work? <laughs> I mean, sorry if these analogies seem stupid, but it really, this is really going on in the, in, in the field of therapy. And nobody's talking about it. This is a false dichotomy, by the way. That's not new. It goes back to before Plato. To back to when Heraclitus was arguing with Parmenides. And I, I don't know, you want to get crazy. I, I think it even goes back to civilizations. Maybe it was no civilization. I think it even goes back to people, let's just say, that were around during the Ice Age. I think this goes back thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of years, this false dichotomy, and it's showing up in therapy right now, as I just showed in that two-by-two two diagram. And and we're not going to solve the Star, the Star Trek dilemma of, yes, we can grow technologically, but we need to also grow in wisdom. We cannot also grow in wisdom until we figure this out. Okay. So how do you talk through emotions? What even is a GDFing emotion? It's an ellipse. Right? Fundamentally, you have two emotional issues. You can, you can read my book for a full explication of this. There's anxiety and there's anger. Hear me now. Believe me later. We'll just look at anxiety now. It doesn't matter because they're both structured in the same way. So a situation, a loss, or a threat of a loss comes into your boundary. 
comes into your psychological self and causes anxiety. Anxiety. Now, there's three things that we can do with anxiety. We can repress it. Okay, we can just ignore it. And this turns into OCD. Our way out of OCD is becoming aware of it once we feel, you know, this is through journaling, asking why we feel it. Once we are able to feel the anxiety, we can still be destructive, which means you take your anxiety and you dump it on others. This is what the whores do. They complain. Helpless, being powerless, right? This is all unmanaged anxiety. The only right way, then you got to take responsibility for the emotion. Not the situation, just the emotion to feel anxiety again. And then we're back up here uh, to, to, to face the anxiety head on, to, to confront it. And then you get confidence. We have two emotions. We have two emotions and we have three ways to deal with each emotion. And this shows us exactly how to talk through them. The first step out here is what's the situation that causes the anxiety? The second step is what is, how does the anxiety feel? How does the emotion feel? Don't just say anxiety. How does it feel? Dread. Um, maybe it feels like uh, apathy, right? That's a great uh, example of anxiety. And then we ask, what does this mean? What does this emotion mean? What does this feeling that I have, what does it mean to me? Not the external world. <laughs> this is, if you go to your, to your local philosopher, then you can talk about the external world. In psychology, it's your relationship with yourself. What does this mean to me? Not my ex-girlfriend, me. Those where a lot of people, it's very easy to start externalizing as a distraction from your own issues. Now, what does it mean to me? How am I responsible for the feeling? And then what could I possibly do? Based on one through four, what could I possibly do? Or what could somebody possibly do in this situation? Okay. So how do you reconcile this? Well, let's have a conversation between the prudes and, and the whores. What would a prude say? Um, what's the first step? I'm not going to write this all out, but what would the first step? What's the fact? What would that, uh, the, the person who's saying, what, what would they say? Oh, you don't stop complaining about your childhood trauma. Read some Victorian literature. You're not doing hard labor in the middle of London in the 19th century. You know, you're not cleaning uh, smokestacks. You're not a chimney sweep. <clears throat> you know, get, getting a black lung by the time you're, you're 14. What's their situation? Well, there's people complaining about generational trauma. Okay, now what's the feeling? Uh, the feeling would probably be something like um, anxiety, you know, some kind of uh, feeling, some kind of disease, maybe resentment, maybe anxiety about the 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 uh, the direction, the prognosis for society. Like we're not we're not going to make it if everybody's just sitting around complaining about generational trauma, which is true. 
if you're just complaining about generational trauma, that's not to drop in the bucket for wisdom to counterbalance the that to counterbalance the amount of technology that we have. That's true. What does it mean? What does it mean about me? If I get anxious when other people complain about generational trauma. Well, it means you're a victim. Usually just think the first thing that pops into your head. Now, I don't know if you're thinking you're a victim. But based on the first two, based on what you just said, that means you are a victim to some degree. You are a victim. You are somehow negatively affected if other people in society don't manage their emotional issues well. And then to go deeper with that, ask, why are you a victim? Well, because I'm not in control of my life, right? If, if you're complaining about other people on Twitter, then you're not in control of your life, right? And, and maybe uh, it's even scarier. Humans are not in control of your life. I would submit that is your unconscious content that we're not going to do anything with right now. There's nothing to do with it right now, but just recognize and part of this process, part of feeling your way through this is recognizing that, you know, that may be an abhorrent thought, but the way that you're acting, the, the what you're talking about on Twitter indicates that humans are not in control of their lives. And then responsibility, right? What, what do I say here? Well, I didn't do, but, but for responsibility, the BCR test the benefit, how do you contribute and how do you relate with the other person in this conflict? How do you, the generational trauma prudes, how do you relate with the generational trauma horse? So the benefit is, well, you get to complain, which feels good. And maybe when you complain, you get attention. Maybe you can go to your neighbor and, and say, oh, can you believe all these people on Twitter complaining about generational trauma and you live in the Midwest, maybe your your neighbor has the same issues you do and you, and you just have this commiserating complaint. It's tension. It's a way to talk with people. It's a way to feel self-righteous and important. There's a bunch of potential benefits there. Is it useful? I mean, existentially, is it useful? No, of course not. But it can still feel really good and it make, makes you, you know, feel like you can get a sick kind of pleasure from it, of course. That's the, the secondary payoff. Now, how do you contribute to this issue? Right, This is where it gets a little bit more tricky. Well, I would submit that one way you contribute to this issue is now because you're not managing your emotions well. You are contributing to your descendants. Yeah, you are affected by your ancestors' trauma. You are now contributing to your, your descendants' trauma. Of course, you would deny that you even have trauma, that it even exists, but that's what's going on. You are taking the emotional issues handed you from your ancestors, and you're just complaining about it and feeling self-righteous about it. Well, guess what? You're just going to pass that on, and you may add your own issue to that, to your to your ancestors. And this will keep happening until one of your ancestors, until your ancestors just decide, you know, I'm just not going to have a family <laughs> because a family is mom or dad bitching about other people and talking about how they're so much better than everybody else when they clearly have their own issues. Of course, your, your children see your own issues way more than you will. Uh, so I'm just not going to have a family. 
So that's how you contribute. You are contributing to the problem that you think is the problem that you're complaining about. That's the idea. And how do you relate? So this is a conflict with, you know, between the hordes and the prudes. How do you relate with the whores? Sorry, my I, I, my brain just kind of froze up there for a second. I've been talking for a while. How do you relate with the horrors? Well, I mean, have you ever felt the urge to blame your problems on other people? On your mom? On your dad? Yeah, you admit that it's wrong, but have you felt that urge? I, I think you're really lying if you don't. <laughs> if, you, if you can't just admit. And then talk about one specific instance where you felt that urge. Like uh, maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas, something just happened where you felt victimized by your parents' issues. Okay, well, now you know. Now you know where the, the whores are coming from, right? Same thing with the, the whores, the indulgers. <clears throat> um, yeah, okay, so, so the situation is my, my family was persecuted. Um, or, or my grandfather was an alcoholic and now I'm dealing with this and, and it's my dad's fault because he didn't manage the issue. Now I'm dealing with the same issue. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, feelings of persecution, maybe a lot of resentment here, or if, you know, bet a little big horn. And, and if you're come from indigenous stock, that stock, maybe the re resentment is towards white people. Okay. So those are all, those are all valid feelings. Every feeling you have is valid. What you do with it may not necessarily be valid. What what does it mean? You know, if you're still affected by the battle of Little Bighorn, well, it's the same thing, right? You're a victim. You're not in control of your life. Now I think we're starting to see how, um, how uh, these are two sides of the same coin. I live in a society that's falling apart. Uh, other people, right? And, and this could be you know, what's so interesting about this is this could be the generational trauma prudes talking. Other people uh, don't understand. They don't understand what I'm talking about. They don't understand how smart I am. They don't understand to the extent to which the Battle of Little Bighorn affected my family. I, I keep talking about the Battle of Little Bighorn because I actually looked it up. The, the, the lady who invented the term generational trauma or transgenerational trauma she she was indigenous. Of course, she went to Columbia, and I guess in like one of her dissertations. That I mean, look <laughs> in light of Claudine Gay, there are probably a lot of plagiarisms in there, uh, but uh, whatever. According to to her dissertation, I think it was like the Battle of Little Bighorn is is one instance that affects her to this day, which is true, by the way, which is true. But of course, the question is. What are you going to do about it? Uh, yeah, you, there was a, an ice storm that that broke the air conditioner. That's not your fault. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that happens. It's not your fault. <clears throat> and in order to fix the air conditioner, by the way, you need motivation to do it. And you know what gives you motivation is emotions. That's where your motivation comes from. You got to feel your emotions in order to go out and do something about it. So the fact that you're feeling it is good. That's a sign of health. Anyway. 
so what's the benefit? Um, well, you know, the self-righteousness, I think, uh, the same thing, like you are hurting your descendants by not managing the issue of the little bighorn. You are again, hurting your descendants. And then of course, um, have you ever felt the urge? Have you ever felt the urge to shut down somebody else's emotions that you thought were ridiculous because you're not in their head? You thought their emotions were ridiculous and rather than understand and connect your, uh, what you, what you try to do was to just shut them down and say, Oh, that's ridiculous. That's wrong. You're so off base. Can you think of one freaking situation from your life where you did that probably at Thanksgiving or Christmas with your parents? So that's how you do it. And you know, as these two people, as these two archetypes talk to each other, you know, part of the resolution is seeing that, oh my God, we're saying the same thing. We have the same issues that it, or, or we have the same information in us that, yeah, informs, that's what information does. It informs how these issues present just for whatever temperamentally different reason they're presenting in two different ways. You got into CRT, I got into CBT. Because we're both in denial about the same thing, which is emotions. We're just in denial of two different parts of emotions. Oh, wait, maybe in order to talk through this, we need to break down emotions and say how they work. Not sometimes, but all the time. Guys, I mean, when I was in grad school, I mean, of all the stupid ideas that I was up against... I mean, what, what gave me cancer <laughs> every time I was sitting, that's how it felt to me. That's my trauma. It felt like I got cancer whenever we would almost get close to putting our finger on the issue, which is emotions and what are they and how they work and how do we talk, talk through them. And you know what people say, you know what the, the defense is whenever you get close to that issue, it's. Well, emotions are complicated or eh, everybody's different. Yeah. Emotions feel complicated when you don't understand them. And of course, everybody is different. Everybody has different experiences. They're all, but we're all iterations of the same thing. Thank you, Jung and his idea on individuation. Anyway, look, generational trauma. It's a synonym. You could just take it as a synonym for emotions. So all the problems in therapy and psychology come out with generational trauma and, I, and that's too bad because now you have two sides of society which in part forms our cultural divide one of them denies they have emotions and supposedly takes responsibility on the other side that accepts they have emotions and because they have emotions the implication at least is they can't take responsibility for it Well, this has gone on a lot longer than I thought it would have. You can listen to this in two parts. You can listen to this. It helps fall asleep. It help, can help you fall asleep. I actually uh, came across an ASMR history channel yesterday on YouTube, and I clicked on it to see what it was, and it's like, dude, I'm I'm way more ASMR. You're trying to be ASMR. I, I like just ASMR is in me. 
So anyways, I kind of shared with you the process and how I do therapy here. If you want to find out more, I do free consultations, joinanimus.com slash schedule. How it works is we start talking about your life. We start you, I will get you to be honest about what's going on in your life for probably the first time. And as you are honest, as you talk through your situations, as you talk through emotions that you have in a certain way, in this way that I laid out here, generally, I mean, there's a little bit more to it, but whatever, this is mostly it. Patterns begin to emerge. You use similar words. You use uh, sentences that have a similar structure. You use similar subjunctive clauses, as I say. That sounds ridiculous, but it's true. It's true. And then we start to put a pattern together. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm complaining on Twitter about people who take generational trauma seriously. That's not my problem. That is a symptom of my problem. That is a symptom of how I've been mismanaging emotions. Or I've been blaming all my emotional issues on white people or the fact that, you know, my ancestors died at little bighorn and that is not my issue either. That's a symptom of something else I'm doing of some way that I am dis that I am mismanaging my emotions on an even more fundamental level. And what that is, it just becomes incredibly clear. And then once we have that, once we understand clearly the issue, right? Cause you don't have, relationship problems, you don't have money problems, you don't have family problems, you have psychological issues, you have a way that you mismanage emotions that shows up in each of these different areas, and we get clear about what that issue is, get you to explain it a bunch of different ways, talk through it in a healthy way, and then I think what you'll find we'll do some other things, but I think what you'll find in that process alone is the symptoms, you won't even have to will them away. You don't, you don't need to watch uh, discipline Psych Yourself Up videos. You don't need to watch, uh, I mean, you know, David Goggins and Jocko Willink will seem exhausting, and rightfully so. Because you realize, oh, that was just a distraction from doing the work that matters. That's what I can help you with. Joinanimous.com slash schedule. Thank you guys, and I wish you all the pain and joy that comes from uh, talking through your generational trauma in a healthy way.